use your need to know Smurf and Hutch with whoever so they made the show Welcome Rugby Under 85 Competition Podcast brought to you by Smurf and Hutch Alright, well welcome to week three of the 85's podcast Massive week this week, we've got the big cheese and we've got the boss, he's the He's the Lord of the 85s. Um, our special guest tonight is uh, Mike Hester. How are you, Mike? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. And we've also got Smurf. How are you, Smurf? Yeah, good, mate. No complaints. How did the footy go on the weekend for you? Yeah, we got another win. It was a bit, a bit scratchy. We, um, I think it was 15-14 at halftime, but we pulled away and got a bonus point win. So good to be learning things while winning with bonus points. So, yeah, pretty happy. I think we've got... Uh, the last game of the first round this weekend against Coastal, so hopefully no Barrett's out there. But I think um, I think Blake Barrett actually played his hundredth game last week, so so here we out there. But yeah, that'll be good fun. Bus trip, last culture bus trip was uh, was with the girls down down to Waikato, I think. So yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, oh, good good to get away, isn't it? Have you had your kickoff meeting for your eighty five team yet? Yeah, we had that last week. Actually, it was good fun. A few Lion Browns in the club rooms and. Um, yeah, a few pictures of Eden Park and the Hello Turf. Uh, a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, which we, uh, yeah, no, there's a bit of talent, but it's, I mean, it's going to be pretty tough for us in the first round because we're going to have guys playing on Saturday and then backing up and playing on Sunday. So, yeah, needless to say, there will be a few discussions around recovery on Saturday that probably be ignored. But um, we'll see how we go. Yeah, it's, it's tough after a win, isn't it, to uh, to go home early and drink all your waters and do all that when there's a, when there's there's an open bar and everything else that goes with it yeah no nah, but it should be should be good i think uh, try and get the the win and then bring a game back to the neck i think that's the that's the goal bring it home yeah nice yeah um and rodders you've just nipped home from practice i hear that uh old boys are doing two practices a week now what's going on there the old boys are back mate that's 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 the word on the street the old boys are back yeah you know, you know me, Hutch, straight into the fitness, and uh, yeah, we had we had a not the greatest turnout. It it tends to be that uh, whenever whenever it's raining, uh, the after hours shifts seem to creep in, and the the boys are always working late. So yeah, that's what we actually we actually said that to our boys at the start of the season. We're like, you know, we, it's actually a thing. Like when it rains, you guys all pretend you have work on and don't turn up to practice. Like it is quite obvious, but um, yeah, no, it's just what it is, isn't it? Um, but anyway, we've got um, Mike on tonight. It's a pleasure to have you on, mate. Um, been a big driver of the of the grade in, in recent years. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do with um, NZR, Mike, and um, how you became to be involved? I know you have a, a fairly extensive background with um, in the New Zealand Defence Force, but you know you're you're driving the ship for eighty fives rugby. Yeah, so I've been with um, NZR for about. Uh, Four years now. I'm the participation development manager, so that's all things sort of grow the game. And uh, I had a pretty blank piece of paper when I started. The role didn't exist, and so I was given quite a lot of license to go and explore. Um, you know, how, how do we how do we keep this game relevant and viable, and and keep it meeting the needs of you know everyone today and tomorrow and next year and and so on. And so um, so it's been pretty exciting, uh, pretty. Um, yeah, pretty encouraging in terms of what, what you can do when you've got you know, a roughly blank piece of paper and a little bit of budget and, and a little bit of um, momentum. Um, I do come from sort of a different background, so um, pretty light rugby background, played a little bit at school, but um, football, round ball game was my, my thing, and that's, that's what 
sort of took me all around the world. Um, but I actually went to the same school as Beaver. So I uh, grew up in, in Waiuku and uh, got coached by his dad a little bit when I was, I was in school. So I played a little bit in school, but, um, and then played a little bit uh, for the Navy. Uh, so I had 28 years in the Navy. And uh, whenever you're, you're visiting ports overseas, you're always getting challenged by expats teams or other ships. So I ended up playing a bit of rugby for, um, for my ships when, uh, when I was away. So uh, that's, that's probably where, you know, that's the extent of my rugby experience, really. You're sort of hiding out in the wing, avoiding all the heavy traffic. Um, but in the Navy, I was involved in a lot of sort of human systems type roles, sort of recruiting, uh, leadership development, workforce planning, um, career and talent management, et cetera. So that sort of lends itself to the role that I have now. And, and then in the sports space, I um, sort of grew up playing community football. Like most of us, had more ambition than ability, thought I was going to go off and do something. But um, the reality was I was just a run-of-the-mill community player, but then moved into refereeing and then sort of had a long sort of history a long experience um, here in New Zealand and then around the world sort of refereeing um, around ball games. So from that, I sort of got a really good sport development experience. Um, and so that combination of those two things that put in the position. And I guess uh, rugby was sort of looking for some different views as well around that time. Um, got a lot of rugby people that work in the game and it's really important, uh, but also some you know alternative views. So I guess that's probably where uh, my, my value add comes from is look at it slightly differently. Yeah, nice. So you, you kind of talk down your uh, rugby pedigree there, but you've probably got more rugby pedigree than um, us other three on the podcast combined. So you're doing all right. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I'm sure you got some stories too from some of those um, some of those those games that you've uh, filled in for or whatever in different parts of the world. I'm sure there's some good stories there. Uh, yeah, most of them are about being full of fear because um, it was always a strange mix of sort of premier and president's type rugby that you were playing because of the calibre of the sort of squads. And so I was often trying to make sure I avoided traffic <laughs> and looked at space. Yeah. <laughs> I think my last game was at the Singapore Cricket Club on their number one deck there, and I managed to break two ribs and crack a tooth. Um, and the guy I replaced, he dislocated his elbow, so it was a war of attrition, really. Yeah, it's probably some fairly dangerous guys running around out there if you're playing with the sort of guys in the New Zealand Defence Force. Uh, yeah, there's usually some pretty handy people. Uh, Buck Shelford uh, was in the Navy and um, he's involved with the North Shore under-85s, I think. And so he, he was a physical training instructor. So they had, they had a few guys at a pedigree um, for my time. But uh, yeah, yeah. So fun times, but uh, yeah, not nothing to really crow about. Yeah, very good. Um, and so obviously one of your... Um, I guess the sort of the big projects for you has been the, the National 85 um, Cup. I would be keen to get a little, I guess, bit of background from you, I guess, on why, why, what the opportunity was that you saw with 85s and, you know, I guess how long has that conversation been going for before we obviously the debut sort of tournament last year or the inaugural tournament? Yeah, so when, when I came into the game at NZR, I was pretty green about actually what happened across the whole community sort of spectrum. Um, my extended family are big with Papatau Rugby Club, um, they're Samoan, so I, I've seen a lot of very big humans play the game, um, and so when I was coming into the role, I spent a bit of time just getting around the grounds, actually looking at what was happening, and I was at Pukekohe Rugby Club one day, and there was four or five games happening, and right off on the backfield, there was this game, which I sort of went out and had a look at, and it was all these these light guys running around at a hell of a speed, and, and there was quite a crowd watching the game, 
and I didn't really know much about it. And at the time, I was working with a guy called Steve Kidd, who I'm sure mm. some of you will know. He used to be the general manager at Auckland um, University Rugby Club. And um, I remember on the way home, I rang him and said, hey, what's the story with this 85 thing? How does this all work? And he sort of explained the history and and um, also the fact that there was a grade that probably been um, really strong 20, 30 years ago, but was in a bit of decline in terms of numbers and, and teams and, and and also reach across the country. And and so from that sort of grew this idea of, well, yeah, this grade looks important. It looks like it's a, a different offering. It's a potentially a good pathway for, for kids who have played a lot of weight-restricted rugby in school. Where do they go? Um, and so from that grew this idea of, well, how do we give this a bit more eminence? And how do we give it a little bit more status, um, not only for the existing grades, help, help support them, but also grow it in other parts of the country? Because I, like most, was of the view that it was everywhere, but it was quite a surprise to learn that it was only in five PUs. From that, um, in 2019, sort of grew this idea of, how do we give it a bit more status? And from a football background, um, knockout cups are really common and um, that didn't exist in the rugby sort of landscape at all. And it certainly didn't exist for clubs on a national level. And I pitched it to my boss to say, look, this could be something that I think could really add some interest and value and um, prestige to, to a grade that seems to have a lot of characters in it that add a lot of value and seem to be a really important part of the future. And um, really from there, it grew arms and legs. And I've been encouraged all the way through by sort of um, exec and our board to, to keep going. Everywhere I go, there's always someone who's got a connection to 85s and, and loves it. And uh, it's hard to find anyone who's, who's been against it. It's, it's been a really, um, really interesting exercise once you've given it a bit of life. Yeah, nice. And I mean, you said that you've, as you've found, um, you haven't found anyone against it. Has, has there been any... Because obviously, I mean, obviously the National Cup's been your focus, but then also growing, I guess, growing the 85, um, I guess, grades and, and the PUs that don't currently have it. Has there been any resistance from other PUs or is it just a matter of, I guess, finding the, the right people and I guess probably players as well to kind of get a competition up and up and running? For example, you know, like down in Canterbury or Otago, seems like it would be quite good, quite good shopping for 85's players, but they don't have a competition. Yeah, so the idea of the competition was to you know give something a bit more uh, give something additional meaningful comp for those that existed those grades mm. that already existed but also give those that want to grow it because um canterbury and otago their pus are definitely keen on growing the grade because they can see the opportunity it presents but what they didn't have was a catalyst so the design of this competition was um done in a way to serve as a bit of a catalyst for them what it has highlighted is you need clubs on board and clubs really don't understand it if they're not exposed. Um, I don't know if that's, um, if that's Nathan's experience in the Taranaki. I think that's the impression that I got from talking to him is people need, yeah. a bit of, they need to demystify it a bit for them. But you yeah, also I need think, real game drivers, right? Yeah, and just, I guess, trying to understand where it fits in um, with all their other club teams, some of their traditional things like um, down here, they sort of talked about maybe it replacing a Colts grade or, you know, I guess maybe a smaller player pool than in Auckland where, where people just stop playing. Yeah, it's just trying to get everyone playing rugby. So I think that's what they're trying to understand is um, why would someone not play Colts and go and play 85s and all that sort of carry on. But yeah. Yeah, and some, some of these country teams as well, don't they? they? They've got a small player pool to pick from, so they can't I suppose they don't want to lose any players, no matter what size they are from their first fifteen, uh, from their first side. If they're if they're only scratching twenty four on a weekend anyway, but um, 
those, those big big areas, you know, Canterbury, they mu they must have a massive amount of players that are just that go missing after school. And um, you can already see after one year that the potential that it has. I'm sure I'm sure it'll be it'll be massive and just keep going from strength to strength. Yeah, because there's obviously yeah. there obviously is a risk that it cannibalizes other teams and other grades. But do you think the opportunity um, to get players playing that aren't playing at all is actually bigger, Mike? I mean, you, you might have some data or something around that, but... Yeah. Well, if we look at how many, and I, I don't have the data to hand, but if we look at how many play weight-restricted rugby in secondary school, and not all of them are going to continue to grow, so if they're not going to continue to grow, they top out at 80, 85 kilos, where do they go in sort of the modern rugby landscape? We get... I, I constantly get emails from people around the country saying, oh, I want to play, I want to be involved, how do I get involved? You know, so there's players out there looking for opportunity. Um, in Otago, there's a team that's been built um, under the sort of club identity of the Sassanax, which is sort of like their barbarians. And there's a young guy just driving it. And he, he's got a whole crew of Scarfies that are going to be playing and they're backing themselves to go up to Pleasant Point and knock them over. Um, but it's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what, what exists out there. There's a lot of players out there that are looking for an opportunity. Yeah, no, right. That's awesome. Um, and then I guess looking uh, back to last year's competition, obviously it was a little bit disrupted by COVID in the end. Um, but I think I'd obviously hats off for you to still for still getting it done. Bloody good effort, um, considering where how things were looking at one point. Um, but I guess what we what, what I guess what was kind of surprising, and what were kind of what were the sort of the key outtakes for you um, from last year in terms of your learnings from the competition. Um, so participant voice is really important. We nearly didn't do it. We, it nearly just got too hard. And we went out and asked the PUs to check with the participants you know, and the, the teams, you know, do you really value this? Is this worth doing? And, you know, the voice back was really strong, which sort of galvanised us into action to, to, to run it. Um, obviously, a remarkable year last year in terms of anything, you know, happening in New Zealand or across the globe. So the competition ran sort of as we had in, initially intended but in a situation where there was no other club rugby happening and so we saw lots of movement we saw lots of players coming in lots of players getting a taste of it for the first time so that was really interesting um and you know there was there's some lessons from that um but I guess what what was really interesting I thought was uh, there was a lot of composite teams that were formed and and a lot of them weren't that successful um you, you might have a whole bunch of talented players and there was a couple of teams that really worked hard to build teams um, and found themselves knocked out in the first round because you still can't beat an organised team. Um, and I think that was quite revealing. A lot of players thought that, you know, this, this will be easy. So, that yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, and it was a good good test run of what it looks like as it gets bigger. I mean, we've doubled the numbers this year. If we keep doing that, um, you know, it's going to get more complex and more difficult to run, you know, more disruptive for PUs. So how do we, how do we make sure it is seamless we don't don't create too much disruption for, for the PU so they can run their local comps as well yeah nice how do you uh, one thing uh, me and Smurf were talking about earlier in the week is um, obviously as soon as you start as soon as you put a sort of a national title on the line and um, you know you put a you put a lot more emphasis on something like this you obviously you get a lot you get a lot you know clubs become a lot more competitive how do you kind of balance that with what I guess I guess the foundation of 85 is all about, if you can sort of understand what I'm saying here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is a difficult balance between inclusion and integrity. Yeah. 
uh, I think they're the two things that are probably at stake here is how do you make sure that you don't bull anybody out as long as they meet the criteria yeah. and wait, but also you don't completely disrupt the integrity of it because it becomes um, something that clubs just prioritise over everything else and as mm. a result, it doesn't become a true representation of the essence of the player base. Yeah. Um, so this year we made, based on some feedback, we made a slight adjustment to player eligibility just to... to see if we can improve that balance between inclusion and integrity. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we may not have gone far enough. We may have gone too far. We'll see. Uh, I think this is the first year with a proper season. Um, and so I think that probably will balance it out, but we'll, we'll watch that with interest. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a, an obvious answer for it. I think it's one that, yeah, like you said, you kind of have to balance it. Um, but it's also, I mean, it's important to have really competitive teams, but then I guess at the same time you want to, you want to see teams and provincial unions that established doing well as well. So it's a tough yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we've got, you know, there's a squad limit of 30. You have to have played in the preceding rounds before you can play in quarterfinals. Um, and the way the structure of the draw is, it, it spans the normal club season and then that post-club finals season. So we'll watch that with interest to see if we get the right sort of balance there. Yeah, cool. And um, looking ahead, I guess, to this um, this year's comp and then I guess the future of the competition, have you got any sort of big goals? Obviously, increased participation year on year, but I know there's, I mean, there's always murmurs about a national under-85 team and there's always, you know, whispers about things like that. Is there, is there anything that you're really planning to, to go for long term? Yeah, so, I mean, there's about 450 rugby clubs in New Zealand. You know, I, I think it would be pretty bit of a pipe dream to think you'd have every single one of them participating but but if we can get to 100 150 teams participating every year I think that'd be really exciting and then off the back of that seeing the grades uh, emerge in places like Taranaki, Manawatu, Canterbury, Otago um, and also seeing existing grades strengthen as well as a result of the, the interest that would be really positive. Um, it is a participation initiative, so that balance between inclusion and integrity remains really key. Um, but off the back of us launching the national competition, it got picked up internationally as, you know, what's the, new, that's, what's the next thing New Zealand rugby is doing or what's rugby New Zealand doing? Um, and so we, we got a lot of interest from overseas about what we're doing in that space. And off the back of that, there was an Asian um, uh, interest group they started talking about creating some sort of national, uh, sorry, international festival of some sort for weight restricted rugby. Um, so we contributed early on to the, the sort of discussions around that, and that was off the back of I think some Auckland teams were involved in the mid two thousands uh, up in Thailand. Um, so that's that's resurfaced, and they've got sort of some encouragement from World Rugby to keep exploring it. And so we've um, we've helped shape a little bit of that. And then I think um, we've got a couple of New Zealand representatives, uh, not from within NZR, but um, from within, um, or they're pro-85 type people, um, who are involved in the sort of the advisory board to that group to see where they might go with it. I think COVID is still going to put a bit of a damper on those sort of ambitions, but there's certainly interest from around the world around weight-restricted rugby, and some of what we've done with this competition has sort of re reignited that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's interesting you say that because um, I'm I'm from uh, Wales originally. We had to explain to people that this wasn't really a new thing. This had been around for a long time. We were just sort of capitalising on something that already existed. <laughs> it wasn't like we um, created a brand new grade and offering. It was already a strong following of 85s across the country and had been for a long time. 
Um, I think it's sort of like a cult. Everywhere I go, there seems to be some eighty someone involved with eighty fives. Yeah, exactly. Um, and anyway, we you um you even got to to see the inaugural round, well the first round of twenty twenty one kickoff over the weekend, Mike. Well, who did you who did you go and uh, go and watch? Yeah, so we had four games, um, three cross boundary games and one sort of local derby down in the Waikato. Um, so I was fortunate I got to go and see Patamahoe or the first half of Patamahoe versus Hamilton Marist Bulldogs. Uh, pretty fast start from Patamahoe. They were 28 points up within 20 minutes, so they really hit them hard. Um, to my amateur eye and from what I could tell from people around me, the forward packs for Paddy seemed to be going pretty well. I think that was um, that's pretty typical of what we understand of them. Then I uh, scooted up um, the motorway and watched Takapuna Bombers take on the Morrinsville Majestic Pukekos. There's some great names in this grade. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was at Oniwa Domain um, on the number one there. So really good deck. Uh, and uh, quite, you know, a little bit of a turnout from the club and a few people from Morrinsville made the trip up. And um, that game on form was meant to be a bit... Um, a bit more one-sided, but uh, the Bombers really uh, stuck it to them, and uh, I think they were 5-3 up for quite a big part of the game, um, and then just succumbed to a few injuries at the end, and ended up playing with only 14 by the end of the game, and so they, they got away on them just with a couple of tries, I think, and so they um, presided 18-5 over the Tecapeta Bombers, so um, yeah, pretty close game for what on paper looked like it could be one-sided, so good to see it underway, good to see Bit of interest, um, and obviously going to start making our way through those games over the next uh, six or eight weeks. Yeah, you're all the um, round one games all locked in now, or still a little bit of scheduling to get to go. I think we're pretty close. We've got one or two that are just a little bit tentative. We're just waiting for final confirmations. Um, we're really starting to turn our minds now to actually when are we going to do um, round three draw? Um, but we just need a few more results out of the way first before we get too far ahead. Yeah, nice. Have you have you got a have you got a venue lined up for the final this year, Mike? Some you got some oil for the listeners? Well the the uh, the thing to be looking for is the release of the NPC draw. That's what will dictate uh, where the final will be um, and the, the the timing. Um, that gets released shortly. So like everyone I'm waiting to see that released and then I can start making some inquiries. But we know that playing on um, Eden Park was a real highlight for the players um, and a lot of people, you know, it was a really good way of signalling how committed we are to the grade and to the competition is, you know, if we invest in putting it on that, that kind of surface and that, that kind of that kind of stadium, that, that's something that people really cherish and captures people's imagination. So uh, it's a bit of a no-brainer. If we can make it happen, that would be, that would be great. Yeah, nice. Um, you got any? I mean, you, you probably need to be a little bit impartial, but any any teams you're particularly looking forward to seeing this year, or any any sort of uh, any teams to watch out for that you reckon might be a bit dangerous? Uh, well, there's a couple of um, dark horses. We don't know what they look like. So there's the Smurfs team there out of um, the Naki, which uh, you know we're interested to see what they produce, and then. There's five teams forming out of the South Island, so it'll be interesting to see what they produce, given that they don't have grades. So a few dark horses there. Uh, hard to go past my own club, um, so I have to declare my own allegiances here. So Karaka is um, my children's club, so we're down there every Tuesday and Thursday, and so the Karaka Squids game will be one I'll be probably making my way along to watch to see if they can tip you up from, 
nearly got there last year. I was there at that game last year and they nearly nearly did it, but um, not quite. But they assure me they've got some Fijians lined up just waiting. Yeah, 12th of June should be a, should be a goodie. That was, I still reckon that was one of the best games that I've seen us play, for sure. It was an absolute belter. You can come to Colin Maiden and check it out. <laughs> yeah. Big field there. All right, nice. So that's sort of a, a wrap on the um, NZ Cup games for the for the weekend. But we also had some local games as well. Smurf, have you checked in with uh, on the um, Legends Hustlers game? Yeah, uh, I have. It was a little bit hard going. James Oliver was away for the weekend, so he'd been given the week off. So that made uh, things a little bit trickier. But uh, sounds like Hussey started pretty hard and fast, a couple of early tries, and then. Um, Real fight from the legends, just pegged it back and um, put them under pressure. Jakey uh, Cameron said that the the legends at ruck time were maybe just taking a, a few leaves out of the DC's book, but just, yeah, heaps of energy and real physical at ruck time, which sort of slowed things, made things a bit um, messy. And then uh, second half, Pussy scored a few more tries and apparently um, James Murray had the, the kicking boots on, went six from six and uh, scored a couple of tries to finish it off. So thought he might might get a call up to the British Lions, but uh, good to see him um, uh, scoring heaps of points um, for the Hussies. Yeah, I, I heard it was 14-3 at half time, which sounded a bit tighter than I thought it might have been. But obviously with the, with the wind in the second half, there was a good good breeze at Colin Maiden Park, so that would have helped Jimmy. Yeah. Um. And then did you check in on the Waiheke Maris game, Smith? That one looked a bit close as well. Yeah, yeah. We sort of, um, it was good to see Waiheke um, putting up a good fight and good for Maris to sort of get on the on the board and sing their team song for the first time. Looked like a hell of a good boat race as well. Looked like a couple of scales in it as well. So I really enjoyed pouring over that footage. It was a good breakup of uh, a few video reviews. Yeah. Now, Maris, Maris... Looked like they did a good job over there. They came back with the silverware as well with the Shui batons. So I'd be happy about that. I don't know if we've, we've, I know we've got Rodders on reception here. He's, he's I know he was chomping at the bit. Now? Is that any better or still bad? Um, so we're having some technical difficulties getting Rodders on. A bit of rain and tittering apparently. Uh, but uh, he'll be gutted because the old boys had a good victory over the Lizards. Uh, as I understand it, sounds like the old boys' set piece was humming. And they scored some nice, nice tries out in the backs. I mean, this was Rodgers was obviously going to talk to this game, but it looks like they came out on top 27-15, which they'll be stoked about. The two trainings a week seem to pay off. Um, so that was good to see. Um, and then a little bit of a well, it was I think the Raiders and the Raiders Fars game, Raiders a little bit of a dark horse as well. I think everyone but myself um tipped the Fars. Um, but the Raiders actually got up 25-15. Uh Look, look pretty grunty, and I imagine um, they had a pretty good four pack out there on Saturday. So I imagine they would have done some damage there. They had the old warhorse John O'Willis back at hooker, uh, first ball to six every time, apparently. So yeah, they got up 25 15. Um, and then last game of the round for the Spate Shield and Sir Colin Maiden Shield was uh, Squid's Depths. I was lucky enough to be there. Bit of a dogfight, to be fair. Um, decent crowd in at Colin Maiden, which was awesome. Pretty vocal crowd as well, which is cool. Uh, I think it was only seven, it might have been seven nil at halftime to the squids, but we had the wind, didn't really use it at all. It was a lot of the game, to be honest, was played between the 22s. Uh, wasn't, wasn't, it probably wasn't a, an expensive sort of spectacle, but it was, it was pretty gutsy stuff. Um, and then the debts came pretty hard in the second half, potted a couple of penalties, Corker struck one from probably 45, 50 metres um, to keep the debts in it. 
Um, but yeah, the squids D held out in the end, which was which was pleasing. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup at the end. Have our ten told Henry Parker that time was up and we just got a penalty. Um, so Henry Parker proceeded to tap the ball and kick the ball out on our twenty-two, making no ground. Only for then the ref to tell him that there was actually still twelve seconds. So a little bit of um, yeah, but a few nerves at the end there as the Dets had an attacking line out about probably 15, 20 metres out. Um, but Nick Schuller at the front managed to disrupt it and we got out of jail. But yeah, bloody good game. Um, Dets very close, um, but I think the Squids will be happy with that result. I think the Dets will be right be right, uh, right there at the coming end of the season. But yeah, anyway, we've got another week of footy this week, Friday Night Lights. Um, we'll go through the games with a couple of interesting matchups. Smurf, we've got Old Boys Legends first up. What do you reckon there? I think the the old boys are going to have a bit of confidence, but um, I'm a little bit worried about these two trainings a, a week if they're not used to them. You know, they might be a little bit gassed. Then Friday, it's Friday night footy this week, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm going to take the old old boys twelve and under. I reckon they um, give. Yeah, they're going to be tired. They're going to be fizzing from, um, yeah, maybe a little bit over fizz from their weekend, but weekend before. So yeah, I go old boys, but twelve and under. Legends sound like um, they're going to get into it. So that'll be uh, up rod alley for uh, for an arm wrestle. Mike, you got any thoughts? Have you seen either of these teams play, or are you going to be having a shot in the dark? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a pass on all of these. I've got no game when it comes to picking results. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I will go. Yeah, old boys. I reckon the old boys are hissing now. I don't know if they've got any uh, injuries on Saturday, but two trainings a week does sound pretty hard out. A little bit Ponsonby-like, actually. So I'm going to actually go old boys 13+, plus, even though I'd love to see the legends get up. But I think knocking over the national champs last weekend, they'll be on a high. So give me old boys 13. Um, and then we've got Fars Hustlers. What do you reckon, Smurf? Well, it's always dangerous coming up against the pilot, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, I think the the boys are pretty excited. I think they managed to get um, most of the squad out for the um, the first few weeks. So um, morale's high, um, and they are looking forward to the the challenge of the Tani Fars. So yeah, I'm going to go Hussey Sterling plus Ooh. get the job done. I actually, I saw the um, the pilot actually scored a try. I guess pretty standard, but scored a try on Saturday, which was nice. I'll give him a shout out. I'll go. I'm going to go Fars. Oh, sorry, not Fars. I'm going to go Hustlers Unders. I reckon the I reckon the Fars have got a little bit to them in the at, at night, bit of a dewy ground, might not be that many points out there. So give me Hussies unders. I reckon the Fars will put up a decent, decent fight for you. Um and then we've got Dets Lizards under the lights as well. Jeez, that's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be a cracker, isn't it? Yeah. I think the Lizards are gonna be um, hurting a little bit from last week. Probably the DCs too. So it's gonna be who can get back up off the deck, isn't it? Ooh. She's not going to go DC's 12 and under. And in a, in a, I don't know, either, either team gets past 20 points, that's for sure. But yeah. probably probably be wrong there, but that's that's my guess. Yeah, I reckon this is a massive game. This is this will kind of this could be a semi-final spot. You know, you go a long way to lock in a spot in the top four if you win this game. Yeah, I'm going to go Dets Unders as well. I mean, I obviously haven't seen the Lizards play, but I think the, the Dets team was a lot stronger in the forwards than they were last year and they've picked up some nice recruits in the midfield as well so they're pretty strong across the park not to say the Lizards aren't but I think the Lizards have lost a couple of forwards um, so I'm going to I'm going to go Dets Unders there and then we've got Raiders Pack Smurf yeah I think the, the Raiders are um, on a bit of a high but um, 
after last week. So is it on the turf on Friday night? Must be, yeah. Yeah, far out. That's it's pretty. I think they're going to have an advantage. They're just training there. They're quite weird lights there. They're really low, so they're constantly in your eyes. So you don't have to worry about high balls just catching a pass. Um, and you got lights beaming at you. So I think that's going to be a big advantage on the turf. Yeah, I'm going to go Raiders 13 plus there. I reckon they'll, they'll get it done. Nice. Um, I'm going to go Raiders unders. I think it'll be a bit tighter. I think Peck, Peck gave um, Old Boys a pretty good scare the other week. Was it Old Boys they gave a pretty good scare too? Or was it um, yeah, Eden? Yeah. Eden? Uh, no, no, Old Boys. I think... Um, yeah, Pack's, Pack's probably a little bit hard to pick at the moment. They got um, put under the pump by Eden a couple of weeks ago, and then um, I think um, Old Boys um, only beat them by five a couple of weeks ago. So the form guide's completely out the window with Packerangas. So, well, they could be the licorice all sorts this season. Yeah, we actually, actually um, at uh, 85's HQ, we actually ran some um, stats the other day. Um, Smith, you already know the answer to this, but uh, who do you think the oldest team is in the grade? Ding, ding, ding. Answer is the old boys. Yeah. A- average age 26. And the youngest team is the Legends. Average age 21 and a half. Um, closely followed by Pekaranga, second youngest. So there's some stats for you Thursday or Friday morning whenever you're tuning into this. And then Maris versus Squid's last game, Smurf. Oh. Well, I guess there's two things to consider. There's the game and the Shui Vuitton. Yeah. Um, is it uh, at Marist, is it? Yeah, unfortunately. And what's the weather report? Blowing gale? Yeah, I dare say it'd be pretty shit. Yeah, so I think, I don't know, they'll be pretty hardy down there. That's their normal training ground. They're used to the conditions where, you know, if it's raining at Colin Maiden, you know, you guys are working late. So um, yeah. going to be pretty interesting, I reckon. Oh, I think the squids have probably got to, just a bit more um, manpower, a bit more depth. So I'm going to tip the squiddies um, to get up. No chance in the boat race at all. Yeah. I think you get beaten by a glass. I think one of the shocks of watching some of that form guide was you guys were basically drinking out of shot glasses. I don't know how that's going to get you prepped for the weekend. Well, there's seven, yes, there's seven ounces. It's just a warm-up. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's going to help you this weekend. So I think uh, Maris to, to hold the shoe Vuitton easily, um, but I'll go squids 13 plus. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back this boys 13 plus, but I think we are. I haven't got the numbers in front of me. We are a little going to be a little bit hurt by injuries from the weekend. It was a fairly physical encounter. So hopefully everyone shapes up all right um, come Friday. But yeah, I think, geez, we're going to battle in the boat race. Um, yeah, we had, we had a pretty couple of pretty frank discussions um, behind closed doors on Sunday and um, today. So Hopefully we can sort that out as well, but I'm definitely picking Squids for the Spate Shield. Probably Maris for the Shui, if I'm, if I'm honest. So, yep, that is the round. Um, another week of 85's footy coming up. Thank you very much for joining us, Mike, and thank you for sitting through the last 15 minutes of dribble, um, picking games that you had no idea about. It's been great to have you on. I'm sure the listeners are... Uh, would have enjoyed getting a bit of insight into the into what you've been doing and the reasons behind it and you know the the, the future of uh, the competition so now it's all really cool and um i think speaking for, for myself anyway i certainly appreciate um everything you've been doing so yeah thanks very much for joining us no thanks for having me on it's been great to um contribute and well done on the pod it's a great listen uh, you don't you don't just have to say that <laughs>
Cheers, Mike. Thanks very much for your time. And, um, yeah, thanks again for, you know, putting up the good fight for 85s. That's a great grade. And, you know, it's good to have someone at the top that's, um, yeah, singing our song for us. Yeah, good one. Cheers, boys.